0: Man, it is good to be here with the family of God this morning. How can I not say good morning? In fact, I want to say great morning, LCM. I kind of threw you off a little bit. Great morning in the name of Jesus. Today is February 21st, 2021. And this morning we are continuing our dialing in series. And I want to just jump right to the word. Let's go to Isaiah 35. Now we're going to start in verse 3. Isaiah 35, 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Look, as we were going through worship, word after word that was being given publicly and privately, the Lord was calling us to stir up our hearts to stir up our zeal, to be strong. Do not fear that our God is with us, that we are an army marching about. It will not be something that's an all of a sudden, but we are a moving force, gaining momentum and advancing God's kingdom. I'm proud to be joined with the family of God this morning. And it's just another reminder to the heavenly realms of the army that God is building in this place and what will be accomplished in our lives. My goodness, my soul is stirred by the picture
1: of God marching out with his army and the fact that you and I are part of the army. Of course, he could decimate it in an instant. Of course, he could just speak and cause the enemies to go away. But that's not what his plan is. That's not what the design is. He is going to use you and me as his army to impact this entire globe with his design, with his purpose, and fill it with the glory of his goodness. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Look, we began to speak to you, and we spoke to you on New Year's Eve about the first hundred days of this year, the first hundred days of the year and what the Lord had designed for us. This was not only an incredibly clear picture of the days that we're in and what we must do. It was an incredibly encouraging time as the elders and pastors prepared for it to receive that divine design in us today. Let me tell you how that went. We got together and we summarized the last several years worth of sermons. We looked at every single sermon. We met, we prayed, we looked at the prophecies that God has been giving us. We valued what he has already been saying to us. Can somebody say that's valuable?
0: That's valuable.
1: We focused on God's faithfulness to his promises from the beginning of time till now and from the beginning of LCM until this very moment. When we did that, we saw incredible things of what God was setting forth for us, and we're literally in the middle of that. We're literally walking into God's design that he has structured for us and that he's prepared for
0: us. Can you believe that since we, we got together as pastors and elders, that's been 52 days so far into our new year, 52 days into the first 100, what God has given us, Look, We can look at other characters and men of God in the Bible that accomplished certain things in just 52 days. Nehemiah, great man of God, they finished rebuilding the wall in 52 days. Well, I can look at LCM and say, you know what? We're making serious progress in 52 days. We've maximized our marriages. We're right in the middle of perfecting our parenting. We're building a foundation and a structure that is going to provide the boundary lines that are falling in pleasant places as we multiply our ministries. I want you to consider the direction that the Lord has already developed for us. In addition to the things I just mentioned, maximizing marriages, perfecting our parenting, and securing our singles, I can look out and see that we are storehouses of gratefulness. I hear it in your speech. I see it in your countenance. I see the fruit of it in your very lives. We've been able to cultivate the word of God in the soil of our hearts in that we've we've heard the word. We're retaining it. We're persevering in it, and we're starting to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. I'm encouraged by the evidence of this in your lives. It lets me know that just within 52 days, look how much progress we have made as a church church, not only
1: have we become storehouses of God's word, able to hear, retain, persevere, and produce a crop for the Lord, we've dialed in a lot of aspects of our life. Can somebody say dialed in? Dialed in. We've been able to dial in our discernment. Is anybody's discernment better now 52 days into the year than when it was before? Yeah, it's unanimous in this room. We've dialed in our discernment. We've dialed in a partnership with God that dials in our empowered deeds. We've dialed in his distinction so that it becomes our distinction. By the way, I'm not just giving you a recap. Yes, it's a recap, but I want you to understand what God has been doing, what He's the plan that he has been laying, that each step has been connected to the others, that each part of the plan is building something into you so that now on a day like today when he says, look, I'm like a king that's about to go out into battle and you are coming with me, that there's no fear or trepidation that's left in your soul. You just go... Of course that's what he's doing. That's what he's been doing. I I can start to see it now. These aren't just individual sermons. It is one thought. Somebody say one thought. One thought. It is one thought as we are becoming storehouses and dialing in and maximizing what's going on. There is a single plan that God has that he is enacting in our midst today. And with all of that, He gives us clarity of a week like we've just had to absolutely dial in our ultimate dependency upon him. You can't trust in the power grid. You can't trust in your water. You can't trust in the city. It's okay. I don't have to trust in any of that because I have dialed in my dependency upon the God of all creation.
0: Man, give me the fire of God and a bucket of water and anything can happen. We can get it done. Hey, isn't it encouraging how much God is investing in us to be the church. You can look around you and see men and women and families and individuals and that collectively we are the church, that we are the army of God that he is raising up. Man, I'm watching videos from the past uh, week or two or so ago, and I love to hear the unified sound of strength in our church's voice. How about right now? Just give a war cry for the Lord. Hallelujah! <laughs> oh, man, that's better than coffee. But <laughs> as we're looking at the collective nature of what God has been giving us for the first 100 days, uh, the Lord has brought us to this crossroad in history, what we're experiencing right now in our day and time. And I'm so glad that God is leading us through it, giving us the light of his word to guide us. Let's go to Jeremiah 6:16. 6, I'm going to bring something further into light. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Y'all want some, uh, some insight of what's coming up? We're approaching a crossroad, church, a crossroad that will begin next Sunday. We're going to begin a new series called Ancient Paths. That's where we're going next Sunday. And here's why. We are asking for the ancient path that God is and will display in our midst. We're looking forward in the days ahead to engage with God's design method of walking these ancient paths where Like the scripture says, we will find rest for our souls, the ability to quiet our anxious thoughts and to settle our convictions on where they belong. Look, all this teaching that we've been culminating over the past 52 days, all the prayer that we have poured into the heavenly realms and the movement from the Spirit of God are all aimed at rightly understanding your divine design. So where we've been going with storehouses of gratefulness and dialing in is aimed at this subject. In fact, that's the title of today's message, Dialing In Our Divine Design. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 1.
1: We're going to start in Genesis 1. We're going to end somewhere in the end of Revelation. (laughs) We're going to cover it from beginning to end today. Genesis 1. And verse 26, somebody say divine design when you get there. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. See, God the creator, right before these verses, you know this. I'm just reminding you that he's created the very animals that he's just explaining about. He's created the fish. He's created birds and livestock and animals. But the phrase that is overwhelmingly used in the few verses before this is he created them after their own kind. He created these animals after their own kind. He created these types of animals after their own kind. After their own kind, he created them. Over and over, it says it because he's trying to establish something, even in the order of creation. And then when we get to here to verse 26, it changes. Something changes about the way and what God is doing, and he wants you to pay attention to it. It's no longer after their own kind. He's creating something. He is creating someone who is going to be made after his own kind, in his image and in his likeness, so that we would look like him, that we would act like him, that we would think like him, that we would feel like him. He's not... Anything any longer that's about made after their kind. He's saying, I'm going to make something after my kind. Yeah. yeah. I know you've, you've, been, you've started in Genesis since you were a child, but the fact that you are made after his kind, you are not some animal. Hugh, that's a different kind of creation, but you and I are made after his kind. We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. You're supposed to just not just look like him in form, but you're supposed to act like him. You're supposed to be like him. You're supposed to think like him, and that's what God is doing in this room. He's reminding you of the image and the likeness that you have been made in today more than just some theological concept that you can ascend to. He's saying, I made you this way, and you are like me. You resemble God more than you resemble the rest of creation, and you know it inside, but you've got to let that come into reality today. Consider what that means. Out of all the creation, out of all the creatures that have been made, only you and I are designed to be like God. How do I know this for sure? Let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. Go back to verse 26. So that they may rule over. Why are you made in his image? So you can stand up and rule with him. So you can be like a king that's going into battle. And you stand up and say, yes, I am of the same substance as my king. And I will come and I will fight with him because he's made me to be like him. Come on, you want to talk about a creation story? Get that down in your creation story understand what God made you understand that he's made you to be like him that both the external parts of you and the internal parts of you are key components God is literally creating a model of himself a miniature representation of what and who he is it's almost like he's creating children here or something it's almost like he's raising up his own sons and daughters as a family to say, you're going to look like me, you're going to act like me, you're going to think like me, because you're made of the same substance as me. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this idea that you and I are created to rule. Of course you're going to rule over sin in your life, but you're made for more than that. Yeah. You're made to rule over creation. Yeah. Yeah. You're made to rule over and dominate the problems that you see in your life. You are made for that because you're
0: made of the same substance as God. You know, I've said this very statement in my own heart that, that relates to this verse. Why has this got to be so difficult? Why, why is it just doing God's will have to be so laborious and painful and difficult? It's what I was designed to do. I am God's representation. I am his image. I'm made in his likeness, and I am his ambassador on earth to deal with problems to deal with the side effects of sin and bring about his righteousness and his kingdom. Look, when we're looking at this this verse in Genesis, yes, this is Adam, but don't let it be so far disconnected from this is you, that you you can look in the mirror and see and get constant witness that you are made in God's image. You are made in God's likeness. There's none other in all creation that looks like you. And that ought to let you know and have confidence that God has invested his very image inside of me and purposed me with the ability to be like him. Amen. Well, in this story in Genesis, where God is making man in his own image and likeness, by chapter three in Genesis, we see that his divine design is under attack. That there is an, a, uh, an attempt To corrupt the design. I stress attempt. And then that attempt to corrupt the design enters into just creation. See, sin is now entered the picture, and while man may still look like the creator, his actions and his thought processes have now become corrupted because of sin. But here's the thing God's design still remains intact. And so does his plan to redeem it. That was one thing that Satan never counted on and never could understand. God's ability to redeem the the, the divine design that was trying to be corrupted. Look, this attempt at corruption in the divine design continues. And by Genesis 6, we now see an iconic defection to attack the divine design. Attempts are not only being made to corrupt how man thinks and how he acts, but even creating a corrupted version of God's image, a corrupted version of his likeness, the model of himself that he had created in man, and that being seen in what the Nephilim were. See, all of these are
1: attacks against the divine design. But God's design is already so perfectly laid out that it's unable to be corrupted. His design is going to continue. But you see constant attempts. By Genesis 10, you see the table of the nations. The the attempted corruption that was once just about a man and a woman or about some hierarchical uh, hybrids is now seen firmly implanted into the nations. At the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, you have a unification against the divine design that causes a rebellion in the nations. Somebody say Nations. See, what started out as an individual has now worked out to the nations this rebellion towards its creator, and yet God's design remains true. God's design, he is not beginning to alter his design here by Genesis 10 or 11. He's not wringing his hands worried about what it is. His design is going to hold true, which actually brings us to our day and time now. The idea that in the dark days that we're in, that we have this light, the darkness that can be felt around us, but we're standing in Goshen and we have the light of God's understanding about his divine design that's coming upon us. The same global attack that we saw back in Genesis. You're seeing it at work today. Somebody say today. today. You're seeing the exact same attack on God's divine design today. And this is part of why we've been going over so many of the news stories with
0: you. Yeah, every service we start out with something that is fresh, hot off the press, that illustrates this global attack on the divine design. I want to remind you, it's almost a year ago that this whole pandemic junk started. And do you remember that from first world to third world countries, everyone was running out of the exact same materials in their their uh, storehouses? that third world countries were running out of water and toilet paper, and so was America. It wasn't just an isolated pandemic or isolated fear. It was a global effect. And that has extended from uh, what was then a pandemic uh, that resulted in, in water and toilet paper not being available, but has gone on to the next agenda, basically a cancel culture. That's not just within America. When you see it all over the world, Perk up your ears, pay attention, and realize that this is more than just about you, more than just about our country. This is about a battle that's occurring in the heavenly realms. And we are being prepared, designed by God to engage those heavenly realms and not be distracted by just the earthly, petty things that are happening around us. The one thing that the cancel culture is aiming at and what has been building for so many years and now apparent more than ever, is that it's not just wanting someone to agree with your stance. See, years ago, decades ago, that there was something apprised and esteemed to be in a room with people who had differing opinions, that you're able to share those differing opinions and challenge one another and everybody be okay and their feelings aren't hurt when they leave the room. Now, cancel culture particularly, it wants to silence any voice they out there that is proclaiming what God's divine design is. Just saying the words male and female will invoke venom and hatred upon you. Not only will they want to silence you, they will want to put you in a reprogramming camp, a concentration camp. And even go as far to say in any form of social media that they would rather see you not exist on the planet Earth because of your differing of opinion but let's be more honest because you stand with god's divine design that evokes in them as they are a puppet of the heavenly powers that seek to destroy and corrupt it this is why we've been so careful to quote directly from the news sources we
1: haven't been exaggerating about anything that's been said we've actually gone through and studied it very closely to see what's being said we've documented it as it has been said to you so you can see that there is, a, there is a plan, a much larger plan. It's not about Democrat or Republican. I promise you they're no. both in on it. <laughs> <laughs> because they're both being puppeted by the arconic forces. This no. is not about a particular person or persons in the White House. This has very little to do with that, but our eyes should be open. Why have we been talking to you about equity? Why have we been trying to alert you to the word equity? Because no longer are we saying that 60 years ago we were saying that we wanted equal opportunity for you, regardless of what your skin color was, regardless of where you came from, regardless of your background. We want the same opportunity. Somebody say opportunity.
0: Opportunity.
1: Equity is a shift not for opportunity, but for outcome. We don't want, we're not saying we want the same opportunities. We're saying we're going to force it. We'll take it from you. We'll take it from you to make sure that this group has the exact same outcome. And it's no longer based on an individual. Not the color of sin, but the content and the character of a man's heart. We're not basing it on that. What we're basing it on is we're basing it on an entire group identity. The group identity is a way to try to pervert the divine design. Yeah, it is. We're all of one race. We're of the human race. We're literally of one family. We're of Noah's family. So to do anything else is trying to twist it in every way that you can. Why are we going to chest feeding instead of breastfeeding in our perinatal instead of maternity wards? Because we are trying to pervert. There's a force at work that is trying to corrupt the divine design. See, when you understand all of these things, in light of this external attack that we're seeing across the face of the earth. It's not just here in America. It is a global attack. You can go, man, we know what God did in Genesis 11. We know what he did for the entirety of time. We can hear this call of our mighty warrior king that's rising up and he's saying, I'm calling you. I'm giving you light so that you can see. Even when other people are in darkness, they can feel. I'm giving you external understanding of what's going on so that you do not lose the battle internally. Because you've been made in God's image. You've been made in his likeness and you are supposed to be just like
0: him. So... When we have this understanding that we're made in his image, made to be him, and therefore we're going to engage with the enemies that God has. We're going to represent God in that warfare. Well, there are some obstacles that we have to overcome. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 10 and see exactly what these obstacles are. Divine design. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, "Hmm, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Pharaoh raised in, uh, I'm sorry, Moses raised in Pharaoh's household. Well aware what their capabilities are. Well, well aware of the gods that they served, the power that they had. I'm sure he was also aware of what he was going up against supernaturally as well as naturally. It's actually a desire that he had in his heart, as you know the story preceding this, of wanting to deliver his people. But he tried in his own strength and failed. He was brought to the backside of the desert, the desert of dependency. And God was forming him into a king in that desert of dependency. And now it was time. It was time to go. It was time to act on what God had planted in him long before he got to this moment. But There was an obstacle. See, here, when God first spoke with Moses about the privilege of being his instrument, Moses' first statement, his first reply, centered on his own deficiencies. Is this just Moses? No. This is me. This is you. I mean that mezuzah statement that you got so long ago, or maybe recently. That family banner that's been developed, you've been striving, you've been fighting for. And now comes that moment when God says, act on that mezuzah. Act on that, that family banner. And you go, "Who?" Who am I? Lord, you're calling the wrong guy. Look at all the deficiencies. Look at how many times I have failed again and again. I don't have anything worth contributing to doing what you've asked me to do. I I don't think you got this right. Do you see me correctly? I see me correctly. I need you to see me correctly. Lord, don't you know I can't speak well? I mean, the, the whole story continues. The first obstacle to get over in knowing God's divine design for your life is knowing how to overcome the question, who am I? Because that's not the place to start. That's a you focus. That's not a God focus. That's being self-conscious and not God-conscious. See, the telling part of this whole dialogue is that Moses asked, who am I? Before he ever asked the question, God, who are you? He was, his focus was centered more on what he couldn't do than what God could do. You know what? This is oddly happening at a point when he is visibly staring at a representation of God. He's visibly staring at a burning bush and he's going, "Yeah, God, I don't I don't think you can do this in me." I mean, you you can be an all-consuming flame that doesn't consume a bush in a desert, but you can't move in me. Lord, I know that you can do this for Pastor Wade. I know that you can do this for this family and that family. I have hope for them. I just don't think that you can do it in me. It's overcoming your own insecurity. See, God's presence in the burning bush, and when he is speaking to you, you are staring at the supernatural, and all you can see is you in that moment. We, we, every service that we get together, a word comes forth. It confirms multiple times what God is addressing in the secrets of your very heart, and it's confirmed over and over again. That is staring into the supernatural for you in that moment. God is confirming that he hears you and that he is going to help you find a solution. The solution is this. It's having the revelation of who God is, especially to you as an individual. It's being able to look, act, and think like God from a position of security and confidence. See, when you just reverse the, those two statements of who am I and who is God, and you put who is God first, it puts you on a footing of being secure and confident instead of insecure and faithless. And it begins to, to resolve solve the problem that is the very first and major hurdle inside of you about doing God's will. Come on, when I look out and I see Adam Cora, I see a man who is encountering the supernatural. God is developing his mezuzah and his family banner. And he, like everybody else in this room, is having to overcome those obstacles of, Lord, who am I? And he is watching your life, guys. He's new to this house. He's watching your life, and what he's seeing in you is your ability to say, but first, who is God? It's not about my insecurities. It's not about my self-evaluation. It's about an evaluation of how great God is and how much he's going to move through me. Church, what we're
1: trying to get you to understand is your divine design is one thing to say, and nobody in this room is going to disagree with it, not for a second. Yes, I'm made in the image and likeness of God. It's been clearly stated in Genesis 1. But by the time we get to anything that we're supposed to be doing, we're asking these kind of questions, and our questions are showing us That we're more me-focused than we are God-focused. We're more concerned about who am I for this kind of thing to happen instead of understanding who he is. Look at verse 13 in the same passage. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them. I mean, just suppose. Hypothetically. Hypothetically speaking. (laughs) What if, God, that I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you? And they ask me, oh, yeah? Well, what's his name? What should I tell them?'" What should I tell them? You, now, it's funny when we're, when the way that I'm presenting it, right? I mean, the idea of Moses going, you know, just suppose. Has anybody ever had not only a who am I moment, but you've had a what if moment inside of you? Yes. God has said this. Yeah, I'm not sure that I like that enough. Um, what if this happens when I'm supposed to be going and doing that? Moses, like us, is struggling with insecurity and game planning and trying to game plan all the what-if scenarios. Has anybody ever been like me and worn yourself out on enough game planning of things that never happened? Yes. You've come up with 18 perfectly fit scenarios, as it appears to you in your mind, none of which happened. You're completely exhausted, and when the thing actually happens, it's something completely different. But you and I don't ever catch that. We were like, yes, I'm so glad that I worried all those hours inside. I'm so glad that I was so stressed about my financial situation and none of what I thought would happen even remotely came about happening. But here am I, I'm going to keep going, what if
0: We got that now, we're going to use it.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. The irony is the very sight that he was drawn to was beyond the natural realm. He's standing in front of a burning bush. The very sight of it is beyond natural. And so he begins to immediately engage with, here's something supernatural. You have a divine design. You look just like God. And then you go, well, how am I supposed to achieve that? (laughs) I think you're kind of missing the point. I think I'm kind of missing the point by going, I'm looking at something supernatural and then I'm discouraged by the fact that I don't think that I can do it. Of course you can't do it, it's supernatural. <laughs> Go ahead and free yourself from that. What if I can't do it? You can't until you walk in his image and his likeness. Yes. You cannot possibly do it on your own or he wouldn't have needed to put himself, his DNA, his character, his reputation. He wouldn't have had to put that inside of you. He would have let you be made like some other kind of creature that yeah. could have done it on your own. Come on. He's got something that only the heavens can accomplish, and that's what he's trying to do inside of you. Amen. See, you can't separate this in your mind, the divine design, and then all the what-ifs that you have. Those are inside of us, but we got to get rid of, those are attempts at corrupting the yes. divine design yes. within you. You got to get rid of that kind of
0: thinking. You know what Passages pastor just laid out before you is gold. It's silver. It's precious stones. You know what the what-if scenarios really are? They're pretensions. Now, you have two things that are listed in 2 Corinthians 10 of what we demolish. We demolish every argument and, and pretension, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, in this case, Moses is not arguing with God, but he is what ifing God. He is operating in a pretension, and God is going to help him demolish it because it doesn't line up with his divine design. The problem with the pretension is it causes you not to be
1: transparent. You begin to go, oh, I can't do it, and I don't want you to see that I can't do it. I don't want Clay to see that I can't do what I think that I'm supposed to do, so I'm going to close things off so that Clay thinks that I'm better than what I am. The truth is, is I have divinity that has been placed inside of me. I don't need to try to be self-reliant. I need to be God-reliant. He's the one I need to operate in his very nature. Or the other way, I either try to lack transparency or just try to disqualify myself. I just try to be self-mortifying. I can't do it anyway, so I'm just going to go ahead and acknowledge that I can't do it because I'm really just faithless and afraid, so I'm just going to tap out and say, I can't do it. No, you've been made in the image and the likeness of God. Of course you can do it as he empowers you to do it. This is what comes up in verse 14. God says to Moses, so what was Moses' question? His first question was, who am I? Then he starts what ifing Then God's answer to him, he says, I am who I am. And what is Moses supposed to make the connection with? And you are made like me. You see that extra step there? Can you feel what that just did inside of your heart? I am who I am. Yes, and I've made you to be like me. He says, I am who I am. This is what you're to tell the Israelites. I am has sent me. He first reveals himself to Moses, and then that gives Moses the words that they're gonna need. he's going to need to speak to everyone else. The answer is not about who you are or who you are not in and of yourself. The answer about who God is and who he has made you. He has made you to be like him. This, there's a place for having confidence. Somebody say confidence. Confidence. In your divine design. You know another way to say that? Those 12 gates that you have. Yeah. You know another way to say that? Your Abigail traits. Yeah. You know another way to say that? Is what God has been speaking to you in your mezuzah. You know another way to say that? See, there's a place for having confidence in God's design for you while you're marveling at who he is. Yeah. Let's turn to First Chronicles chapter 17. Wow,
0: wow. Say divine design whenever you get there. As you're turning, I want to encourage you husbands... Have confidence in your wife's Abigail traits. Marvel at them. Families, have confidence in your children's Abigail traits and marvel at them. This is God's divine design that already exists in them. Marvel at them. 1, Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles 17. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I? Hmm. Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men. This is a who am I statement that's in the right context. Because David began in the right position with knowing who God is first. Let me give you some background that leads up to this very statement that he makes. Prior to David's interaction with the Lord in these two verses, he was receiving a revelation of God's divine design through Nathan the prophet. That David asked Nathan, hey, you think I should go and build the Lord's house? They was like, yeah, go do whatever. You'll be successful. The Lord awoke nathan and said "Uh uh-uh you go tell him this david's like i repent i'm gonna tell him right now he goes and he shares with david this word of the lord and it's the lord reminding david look i've taken you from the sheep pen i've taken you from the field i've appointed you ruler over my people i've cut off your enemies and i have exalted you above all others in this land Look, David, you're wanting to build a house for me. Let me know, let me let you know about my heart. My heart is that I want to build a house for you. I want to build a house for Israel. Yes, you have the somewhat the right idea, but I'm going to reveal to you my whole divine design. Because you know me, because you are rightly addressing who I am, I'm going to reveal to you who you are. And I'm going to accomplish all this through your son through the generations. This is not only about you. This is about what I'm going to do through you and through your line. See, through Nathan's word, David's heart was becoming strengthened and getting in line with God's divine design. And like Moses at the burning bush, David is before the Lord, staring at the supernatural. He went in and sat before the Lord. He recognized the supernatural that was in front of him, and he was rightly relating to it. I want to make a comparison here. Moses' first response to the Lord in Exodus 3, that's like whenever we begin to pray through tabernacle prayer and we jump to the bronze altar first. We see this fire, and we go to this place where we need to make this self-appointed sacrifice based on the sole focus of who we think we are. It's self-mortification. And the comparison was this, is that David, David started at the gates of praise. He started rightly in that tabernacle prayer. He started with the right perspective of who God is first, and he is a storehouse of gratefulness in this moment, and he is dowed in his discernment. God is revealing to him his divine design. That when you start in that right place of the gates of praise, it will lead you rightly through all other six steps through the tabernacle prayer. See, what David is doing here, he's asking the same question, but with a different heart. He's he's rightly asked the question, who is God, before he's ever asked, who am I? See, we see here the solution to our insecurities. And it's simple. You start with the right question. Man, how many hours, how many days, months, and even years I have spent trying to answer the wrong question first. Who am I? If I just did more, if I just learned more, if I just exerted more effort, if I crucified this more in my life, then I could be who God called me to be. Mm -mm. Lord, who are you supernaturally inside of me? What are you empowering me already with your divine design at work within me? I want a heart like David's because he had a heart like God It saw who God was first. See, when you know who God is, it will rightly dial you into the divine design of who you are. Look at verse 18. What more can David say to you for
1: honoring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord. For the sake of your servant... And according to your will, you have done this great thing and made all these great promises known. Hmm. You should be hearing something in this passage in Chronicles that's not what Samuel says. In Samuel, he says, according to your... uh, For the sake of your word and according to your will is the way that it says it in Samuel. Listen to how it says it here. For the sake of your... Servant. This is either a Bible difficulty, this is either that the chronicler or Samuel didn't get this right, or they're both right and you're supposed to see something in understanding where both of these passages are. Come on, that's good. David is speaking and he begins to speak about himself in the third person. We're, we're breaking up the passage, but understand what more can David say to you? This is David speaking. What, Lord, what more can Wade say to you? Your servant, you know your servant, Lord. It's for the sake of your servant and according to your will that you've done this great thing and made your promises known. What is the connection that we're supposed to be making? We're supposed to be seeing according to God's will and according to his word and for the sake of the servant are all part of God's divine design. Because you are what he is. Don't you think that he wants to do something? Not only for the sake of his word. Of course it's for the sake of his word. Not only according to his will. Of course it's according to his will. But don't you think that God wants to do something for your sake? Don't you think that he has put something within you? This desire that we have to serve God with all that we are? Don't you think that he's the one that put that within you? He's going to do it for your sake. Yes, he's going to use you because you're going to be able to see. I know it's not according to my will because I would have said, who am I? And I'd have backed out a long time ago. But this is according to your will. It's your will to use me. Say this with me. Say it is God's will will to use me to use me. Say it again. It is God's God's will 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 to use me. That makes it according to his word. That makes it according to his will that he uses you. Not us collectively, but you. This is what David is resounding here. That God, who does great things and makes these promises and plans known, do you know who he makes it known to? Those who look like him, those who act like him, those who think like him, and those who are like him. Those who have been made in his image and likeness. pastor mentioned it. David is known as the man after God's own heart. Why? Because he did everything that God wanted him to do. Both the external part of him and the internal part was locked into God's plan, God's design, and he knew it. These things were aligned within him, and he became, the Lord says that he gives him the name of one of the greatest men. His name is like the greatest men who have ever lived on the planet. That's what the Lord says about this kind of man. This kind of man who walks in his divine design, you have the greatness of God upon you this is why we've got to crush these these what ifs, these who am I questions that are riddling. God is working on us service after service, prayer time after prayer time, session after session. For weeks now, he's saying, I can do this in you. I will do it in you. I'm going to battle and I'm going to use you. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. And most of us are moving in that direction, but I'm not happy with most of us. I'm not happy with us not understanding that he wants to do this for the sake of his servant, as much as for the sake of his word, as much as for the sake of his will. Let's keep going in verse 20 and see an even more beautiful part.
0: There is none like you, Lord, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself? And to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. See, at this point, David is operating from a place of confidence in the divine design, and a place of confidence as it relates to him. But do you hear the overwhelming nature of his confidence? In God's divine design for Israel It's for what the nation will accomplish. This gives him the ability to have confidence in the future fulfillment of what God's design is and how it will be fulfilled in the future generations. Parents, do you need hope? Do you need confidence? That what has began in you now will continue beyond your child's generation? Yes. That what you are investing every day of your life in will produce exponential fruit in them? That's what God is doing here. As pastors, what we're doing is that we are crushing the corruption of your confidence. And we're giving you the solution of how to walk rightly in confidence, just as David is. As pastors and elders, we see the potential inside of you more than you do. And what we are doing on a constant basis is that we are propelling and equipping and left and righting you to get moving forward in confidence in what God has already made you to be. So, when we look at you and we say you are called to be pillars, you are called to be fivefold, you are called to do this and that, don't argue with us. Trust us. Have confidence that God put us in this place to give you what you need to accomplish it supernaturally. It can't be accomplished naturally. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 9.
1: God didn't call you here to, to, he didn't bring you here to fail. He brought you here that the corruption, the attempted corruption at his designs would get broken off of your life. That you would not just be able to have a list of 12 stones in your pocket, but you have the 12 gates, you have these 12 stones that are marking what you are, they're marking what you actually believe, they're marking the way that you walk, that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, that you have the fullness of God, that all strength has been given to you, that you were ambassadors, those things become who you are and how you see yourself. Amen. My God, that's what he's working on our hearts today. It's like God is ready to pick a fight with the enemy, and he's having you to come alongside of him. Hey, want to go pick a fight? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. You know why? Because I'm like him when I'm going to pick a fight against the enemy. He's like a king in a stately stride, like a lion strutting forth. He is not afraid. He's not even in a hurry. He's not even quickly paced to the battlefield. He's like, (laughs) this is going to be bad for the enemy. (laughs) I actually edited that in my mind. That's good. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Good. Well, good. This is what the Lord says. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast in their riches. Good, because I don't think I have any of those. But, But let the one who boasts... Boast about this. You ready for this? By the way, the word boast here is halal, like as in hallelujah. Let him who boast. if you're going to have some praise, don't let it be about your strength. Don't let Come it be on, about your own wisdom. Don't let it be about your own riches. If you're going to praise God for something. By the way, that word, they're not quite sure if it originates with the idea of singing forth or shouting forth. There's a little bit of confusion, and I'm going to say the answer is, Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out a little bit more melodious. Other times it's just very guttural and it comes out because our God is a passionate, passionate warrior king. Boast about this. You ready? They, they, they have the understanding to know me. Listen about what we get to know about him. That I am the Lord. You get to rejoice, that you get to understand that you are made just like him, that you are part of his plan because he is the I am. You don't need to ask who you are because he's just telling you, I am the Lord. You put your hope in me. You put your boasting in me. You put your shouting and your praising in me because I've got this. And that's what you need to be excited about. This should be ringing in your ears about what Jesus says to his disciples, They come back, they're like, man, we've been casting out demons. It's been awesome. He's like, of course you have been. Because you're made to be like me. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw you guys have, have the power to cast out demons. Don't even worry about that. That's not even the exciting part. But rejoice rather That your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your name is becoming like my name. That the origin of where you are was birthed in the heavens. That's what you need to be rejoicing about. See, Jesus isn't just saying something random. He's quoting. He's giving you the very same principle as the gospel is breaking out of what Jeremiah 9 is saying. I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. You know what that word for, ki- uh, for exercise is there? He's the one who causes it to be. It's the word asa. I make it. I have this with my goal in mind the whole time. I have one singular plan. I've been working on my single plan. It's not a simple plan, but it's a single plan. When I say singular plan, I don't mean that it's not incredibly intricate and beautiful. I just mean it's one plan that he's been working on the whole time.
0: All the singles in the house should say amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> The
1: Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight. It delights God for him to rule with hesed, with mishpat, and with zedekah. And he wants us to do the same thing. That's, he's showing us, this is who I am, this is what I want you to do. This is what I like, this is what I like when you do. This is who I am, this is what I want you to be. Constantly, he's showing us this so that he can call his called, chosen, faithful followers. It's almost like he's got an image. It's almost got a, he's, like he's got a likeness in us. It's almost like he's a king with a signet ring on and your soft heart is like the wax that he says, this is who I am. Yeah. You are marked. You can't get away from it. All you have to do is have a soft heart today and the signet ring of the king is going to mark you today. It's going to change yeah. you today. No more will it just be an understanding that you're made in his image and likeness. You're going to know who he is and that he is inside of you. Amen. That's going to put a different fire on the inside of you. Yeah. It's going to put a different confidence on the inside of you. It's going to make you want to go pick a fight like never before.
0: Amen. So everybody go to Acts chapter 2. Say divine design whenever you get there. You know, aside from Moses, I can't think of a character or man of God in the Bible that ever struggled with insecurity more than Peter. We see a volatile nature. Either he's overconfident or he's way, way underconfident. At least that's just Peter, right? No. Just Peter. He's an example for all of us of how we can get to the right question and have it answered inside of us. You know that many of your struggles, many of your trials, and you overcome insecurities are going to provide a path of victory for those that you disciple? So as we read this about Peter, I want you to see how this relates to you. In verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven. See, um, the man who 50 days prior had denied Jesus three times, He had given in to his insecurities. He had given in to the only focus of who am I to represent Jesus. I failed him utterly. Now he has been restored. Now he's been redeemed. Now he can clearly see who God is before he is focusing on who he is. And when that happens, you have the confidence to stand up. You have the confidence to stand up and begin to speak the very words that God has ordained and designed you to speak in the first place. And you stand up with brothers to do it. He stood up with the 11, he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. This is the turning point for the church experiencing the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he is now addressing an injustice of perception of others. And I'm going to put it on right footing and show you God's divine design in the outpouring of his spirit. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. Well, that leads to further on when he says, pull this up, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to get there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. As we go further. (laughs) Oh, wow. I need my glasses.
1: Ah. There
0: we go. Now I'm gaining confidence. Look at that. How about that? Verse 29. Now I can see it. Peter, in his address, he says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently. Was he a man of confidence 50 days prior? No, he wasn't. But now knowing who God is, he is standing up, raising his voice, addressing the crowd, and with confidence pulling from the scripture to show them God's divine design in the outpouring of his Holy Ghost this is what happens inside of you, saints. When you start with the right question of who God is, you can stand up. You can raise your voice. You can even address a crowd. This isn't just for Peter. This is for every person in this room, especially if you don't speak very well in front of other other people. I'm a living, walking testimony. I make up words that don't exist in the dictionary. I jumble my thoughts, I'm not clear at times, but that's not the definition of who I am. That's not the design of what God made me to be. What he made me to be is someone who proclaims the truth, who stands up, addresses a crowd. I'll raise my voice as many times as it takes. Because I know who God is, and therefore I know who I am. Come on now, you got to understand what we're
1: saying to you today. We are not relegating you to what you do for a living, what your job is. We are not relegating to you what you think you are about who am I. We're saying that you have been made to be like God, that he has a design for you, and we have to walk in it. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. You hadn't been made like some foreign god. You've been made like the ancient of days. The one who was there at the beginning. He is the one who created it. Why do you think so many times the Bible goes back to the God who created the heavens and the earth? Or it describes him as the fa- the God the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's showing you. He's going back to these pivotal moments so you're drawn back to the way that you have been designed. Revelation 21.5 says this. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. I thought you said there was one plan. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. This was part of the plan. Part of the plan was to make you new along the process. Part of the plan was him to imbue you with his Holy Spirit so you would know what is still to come. He's giving you a deposit of the heavens now. It was in your structure. It's in your image and in your likeness. It's in the fact that he's given you his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It is in the proof. Somebody say proof. proof. It is the proof of his plan being at work when he had Jesus be resurrected. It's proof. Somebody say proof. proof. Do you need proof in your life? you yeah, like, I don't know how you want me to answer that. I feel like this is a trick. We want proof, and he's already given it to us. Amen. That same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you. Mario and Alicia, that same resurrection power, I can see it coming upon you guys. I can see it settling in in your soul. I can see it changing your generations. Pastor, how can you see that today? I don't know, but I can. Because I'm made of the same substance of God and I can feel what his heart is I can see that ring that he has his signet ring being lowered into the soft tender wax of your hearts and him saying I am marking you I have marked you and I'll do it again if necessary amen come on now God being able to change people like Paul and Lynette yeah bringing them from where they were and bringing them here to this place. Why? So that he could change them. He could remove the corruption in their design that they might flourish in the very image and likeness that he originally created them for. Amen. Changing them now that will change their generations. This is the one who is seated on the throne. This is the one that we are speaking of. I'm making everything new. Yeah. What do you need to have made new today? What in your heart needs to be made new? But you've lost the hope. You've lost the help. And you're saying, God, I, I just, I would like to believe. Come on, Juan. Oh, man. God can make you new today. Amen. Not just in the progress he can say, I am clearing out the corruption in Juan. I'm removing it out for him so he will know and walk in my image and walk in my likeness. God can make you new today. He can eliminate the corruption that has been attempting to get on his design. And he can make you new today. Amen. But pastor, I've already been saved. Yeah, but do you need to be made new today? Yeah. Come on, I need to be made new so that I'm more walking in his image, more in his likeness. Write this down. Write it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> For
1: these words are trustworthy and true. Yeah not telling you something that isn't from the very heart of God from the beginning to the end of the Bible. This is his will for you today. Amen. He said to me, it is done. The truth is is it was no less done here in Revelation than it was in Genesis when he said it. You're just getting to a point where you can see it. Look at me church. It is done. Oh, we're going to keep working on it. We're going to keep seeing. It's done. What does that mean? That means as far as God is concerned, he has created you to be something, and he will make it come to pass inside of you. Not just in the world. Inside of you, he will make it new because it's done. It's done. The confidence that you need to have is it's already done. But I don't see it yet full in fruition yeah, that's the part of us actually living right now. That's us ruling because he said it done and we go make sure that it's actually done. Yeah. But our confidence is based now that he has done it inside of us and he will continue to make it fully manifest. Amen. I am the Alpha and the omega. I'm the one that laid out the plan, and I'm going to be the one that makes it come about the beginning and the end. I told it to you in Genesis. Now, I'm telling it to you in Revelation to the thirsty. Anybody thirsty in this house for more of God? Anybody thirsty to get rid of the what ifs and the who am I, and you're ready to get off and get into the battle with God? I'll give you water of life without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious, you are in this church so you could be victorious. Clay and Sarah, God didn't just put you with the treesters and didn't bring you here so that you would fail. God is intending for you to be victorious. Amen. Because he's made you to be just like him. And he doesn't lose. Yeah. He is putting strength inside of you, Clay. He's putting strength inside of you, Sarah, because you're like him. It is done as far as he's concerned. And he'll help you so you can see that it's done. To those who are victorious will inherit all this. What is all this? Yeah, all this. Write it down because it's all of it. I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen. Why? Because children look like their father. They act like their father. They've learned to think like their father. Those who are victorious get to be seen as exactly the same thing as their father. God is working on us today. He's doing something that's supernatural in our midst today. You let your faith rise up. He's doing something new inside of you today. I'm not talking about for somebody else that's not here. I'm talking about for you that are here. Kelsey, I'm talking about for you today. Leslie and Roma, I'm talking about for you today. Gabby, I'm talking about the people in this room, that God is doing something new. You believe it, Brandon, that God could do something new inside of you today? I do. Let's all turn for our final scripture to
0: Ephesians chapter 3. Say divine design whenever you get there. You feel your confidence rising, church? My confidence in you as well. I am confident that the entire Spites family will complete and grow in their divine design. I'm confident that the Rheasaurus all 100 of them <laughs> are going to fulfill their divine design. <laughs> what God is doing in us church, he is equipping us to be like him. Particularly, equipping us to contend with his enemies. Ephesians 3:10. His intent his divine design was that now through the church through you church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in christ jesus our lord look god's intent is that now not tomorrow now everybody say now. now through you church He is going to make who he is known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. This is our arena to make him known. You have to have the attitude and the statement embedded in your soul. It's my divine design to make known who God is. Eric and Valerie Treister, this is your divine design. To make known to the heavenly realms who God is through you. You're to have an attitude that says, I am made in his likeness. I am made in his image. Just look in a mirror. The way that you are physically formed is a display to the heavenly realms that you are made in the image of God. But not only do you look like him, you are designed to act and think like him. When you have this confidence that God's image is in you, you can do more than you naturally can do on your own. You become supernaturally empowered. I want you to have this thought of his eternal purpose, that eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let it strengthen you this morning. Let it embolden your confidence that you may have an eternal, never-ending, divine design to display who God is, and therefore, then know who you are in participation with it. Stand
1: to your feet with us. We're going to read one more scripture together. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose... Which he accomplished. Somebody say, he accomplished, he accomplished it. It's done. You can write it down because it's trustworthy and true. He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at verse 12. In him. Somebody say, in him. In him. And through faith in him. Why are those said as two different things? In him... Understanding what our design is, that we're in the image and likeness of God, and through continual faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. Somebody say freedom like you mean it. Freedom, freedom and confidence. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach approach God with freedom and confidence. In a singular thought, in a singular moment, this is what God is trying to encourage us with today. He said, I designed you. I made you, not like anything else. There is no other kind that I can point you to, to look at how you were made, except looking to the Creator Himself. Man, if we would have stopped in Genesis 1, that would have been enough for us to chew on. It would have been a good word just with Genesis 1 today. But he gave you more. Why? Because he wants you to be able to walk in him. He wants you to be able to walk with faith in him. He wants to give you freedom and confidence today. God is picking a fight with the enemies. He's saying, go ahead and rouse your best warriors. Those of you who are weak, say that I am strong. Go ahead and rouse yourselves because I'm about to enter the battlefield. And I have called, chosen, faithful followers with me. They're here. That's you. Not just us, that's you. Most of the time we really do want you to be thinking about what God's doing in our midst. And I want you to think about what God is trying to do in your heart right now. No more what-ifs that perpetuate everything that we do. No more asking, who am I to be able to achieve this? I mean, I know God will do it for them, but, but who am I that he would do it for me? Wrong question. Who is God, and then you got to remember that he made you to be like him. And that he's doing it in this place to give you freedom and confidence can feel the freedom inside of your hearts. I can feel the confidence that's rising. I know our great warrior king is marching. I can hear. I can hear his bootsteps on the ground. I can hear him. I can feel that you are changing from just thinking about having 12 gates. I can feel it right now that he is breaking off the parts of you that have been corrupted that keep you from walking in the 12 gates with freedom and with confidence let God have his work in this place today.
0: When you're rightly focused on who God is and not on who you are, you can act, you can look, and you can think like God. This is the confidence that we're aiming to achieve this morning. Here's how i like for us to do it. We're not going to come down to the altar to repent this morning. We're going to go to the first proper perspective. Let's begin to focus on who God is and not who we are. As you're praising him, as you're worshiping him, standing there in your seats, trust and have confidence that he will reveal who he is to you. And that will give you a proper perspective of who you are. Find the ability to gain faith and confidence as you approach him so that you can look, act, and think just like our God is. Everybody raise up your hands with expectant hearts. Begin to focus on who God is. Push aside those thoughts of who you are. Let your perspective be on him and him alone. Lord, we lift up our hearts and our minds to you right now. And we say we thank you for being the great and awesome God that you are. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are the revealer of mysteries. You are the Lord of heavens and you are the God above all gods. Lord, it's to you that we lift up our souls. It's to you that we lift up our eyes. And we say there is none other besides you, Lord God. We applaud you. We adore you. Lord, we worship you for who you are. And we thank you for revealing to us who you are and your majesty. In Jesus' name, amen.